Hey, welcome to the Spring Hills Podcast. Today we're going to be doing another episode of questions about God and the Bible. This is part two. Uh, last time we had Garrett Ward joining us with Pastor Brett, and Pastor Brett is back today. But uh, Sean Winardi, you are here today. Fill us in real quick, briefly, uh, about who you are, how people might know you. Okay. It's been a long time since I'm you've Sean been on the Winardi. podcast. Yeah, Sean Winardi. I've uh, been at Spring Hills now for uh, 10 years. It's been a decade. Wow. A whole decade. A decade. So you might have seen me walking walking the halls of Spring Hills. Or preaching. Preaching. Yeah. Sean preaches from time to time. From time to time. Actually, just mm-hmm. not long ago, right? Not long ago. So today what we're going to do is we're going to go over... That's it? That's, yes, that's all we need to know. That's okay. pretty much how you might know me. Really He's the only redhead that preaches, right? Yeah. I think so. Oh, yeah. John, He's Knapp. Married. John Knapp, Knapp has, has some red hair. And he has three beautiful I, children. I, that's right. I yes. married to a beautiful wife, Jen. Three beautiful kids. Beautiful. I, Are you used to I, saying I just three had kids? A, I just had a baby. Uh, you had the j- baby? I, well, come on. We do it together. <laughs> and it's a, uh, it's been uh, now five weeks. Oh. And uh, we're, and I, you know, I'm glad. She's to beautiful. Oh, Brooke. she's beautiful. Brooke. Yeah. Uh, so uh, everything's going great. Well, perfect. We're going to get on yeah. topic now. Okay, Thanks, sure. Brett. Okay. Right. okay. Uh, Fair enough. So, Let's just move to business. Today we're going to talk about questions about God and the Bible. And what we're doing with this segment is we're going to take the most, uh, most frequently asked questions about these topics. We'll be doing some other topics, marriage, dating, uh, questions about sin, questions about the gospel, questions about worship, things like that at a later date. But today we're doing part two for two questions about God and the Bible. And what I wanted to do is I'm going to start with this question is just how do we know that the Bible is true? Now, Pastor Brett, you've been teaching a very exciting class called Spring Hills Core. And the first, what are we on, week three? First three weeks have been bibliology, is that right? Yeah, and now we just finished our fourth week, so this week will be week five. Week five already. Wow, it's going by fast. Yeah. So uh, let's start with this question. How do we know that the Bible is true? I know you went over some facts and things the other night to uh, support Yeah, such an important question because our faith, what we believe about heaven, hell, God, forgiveness, you know, salvation, everything we believe as Christians, we derive from the Bible. So uh, the question has to be asked, is the Bible trustworthy? And when you ask that question, you get to the original documents, the copies of the Bible that we have from the first century, and you have to ask, are they reliable? Are they an accurate portrayal of Jesus' life? Uh, are the, Is the record we have in the New Testament of Jesus um, is it a true record? And how do you determine that? So it's a pretty important step. I think um, probably most Christians assume that the Bible really is true, that it really is the Word of God, but it, uh, it really helps to dive in and to have a reason for your faith. So uh, the New Testament, let's just take the New Testament documents. They were written by, for the most part, the apostles who were Jesus' followers, disciples, Uh, or close friends of the disciples. And that was one of the criteria for including uh, books of the New Testament into what's called the canon of Scripture was that they needed to be written by apostles or those who were close to the apostles. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we have that Matthew's Gospel. Matthew Levi was one of the apostles. Uh, we have, obviously, the writings of the Apostle Paul. We have Peter and John, uh, Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, James, the half-brother of Jesus. That'd be uh, a tough one to live up to, right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You'd so, be more like your brother Jesus. I mean, if the if the New Testament was written by just a bunch of random people that didn't know Jesus, weren't there, right? We'd you know, you'd have to question the historicity 
of the, you know, narrative right. of Jesus' life. But uh, that's just one of the things. Now, you mentioned the also the, the time span of which it was written, how far after the events uh, Yeah, it was so if you're going to determine the reliability of a historical document, certainly a document that goes back to the first century, you would want to know um, how many copies do we have and what was the time uh, between the original and the first copy, because we don't have the original documents, right. uh, we have copies. And so in the case of the Bible, it's within 100 years um, uh, that we have from the original, we have a copy. Now, other ancient documents, whether you're talking about Plato's uh, Republic or the Iliad or Caesar's Gallic Wars, I mean, those ancient documents, uh, really the distance between the original the time span between the original and the first copy, four, five, mm-hmm. six hundred years, over a thousand years in some cases. So, um, yeah, that's another that's another convincing proof mm-hmm. for the New Testament is the short duration between the original copy, original autograph we call it, and the first copy. Yeah, Sean, what about you, man? You got anything to chime to in add, on there? To, to add, add to it, brother. <laughs> I almost forgot you were here. Yeah, no, fair <laughs> enough. Let me um, let me weigh in here. No, the only thing I'd add is, you know, for me, I think the really important thing that I kind of came to learn was, like you said, it's multiple eyewitness accounts. Yes. And like any event, even now, you know, you rely on eyewitness accounts to determine what occurred. And the most important thing in terms of what occurred, and when we learn when we read the New Testament and all these eyewitness accounts, is the resurrection of Jesus. And it's those eyewitness accounts, multiple eyewitness accounts in the Bible, and even extra biblical accounts of what happened to Jesus and Jesus' followers that gives us confidence that Jesus existed, that he died, and that he was raised from the dead. And that, to me, is the most important thing in this whole question for whether or not the Bible is true. Because if he was raised from the dead, then what he said is true. He, he justified his claims. It means we can believe what he said about himself. And he said that he was God. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, then, you know, then that opens up everything else, right? He, he was the one that affirmed the rest of Scripture. He would go back to the Old Testament and affirm some of the stories, some of the accounts that are most hard to believe. Yes. You know, and it's, it's that connection that begins to say, okay, if we have evidence that Jesus is God, then what he said was true, and he affirms Scripture. He is the one that says Scripture is God, you know, is, is the Word of God. And so it's that connection for me that mm-hmm. allows me to say, yes, the Bible is true. Yes. Now, you brought that at core, you also discussed the prophecies and the odds of prophecies being fulfilled. And I don't remember the exact analogies, but, um, I know that you had said that just for, I think you said just for one prophecy, there's three, how many, 300 and over 300. Yeah. Some even have as many as 450. Okay. And you had said that the odds of even one being fulfilled. Well, you have, uh, yeah. Prophecy is another one of the reasons why we believe that this is the word of God, because you have, you know, hundreds, and in case, in case, other cases, thousands of years before Christ came, you have direct, clear, specific prophecies regarding his coming. As you say, over 300 at least, and even more, uh, some believe more than that. But you, uh, what's the chance of that happening randomly in one person? And the statistics are ridiculous <clears throat> that, uh, 
that eight of them would happen randomly in one person, just eight. I think the number is one in one uh, quintillion, which is a ridiculous number. It's like 10 to the 17th yeah, power or yeah, something, right? Yeah, And uh, so uh, what did I read? The one, uh, the chance of, you know, people want to win the lottery, right? And then so it could be one in one, one in one, uh, 10 million or 20 million or whatever chance, which seems huge already which is huge uh but uh one in one quintillion and that's or just eight for prophecies eight so you you uh, bump it up to 16 prophecies and it gets to be bigger and bigger uh so that's another proof that the bible really is the word of god right. fulfilled prophecy yeah yes now as we're talking about the bible uh i know there's a lot of there's a lot of questions that i've come across with people is how much time spans from the very beginning creation to the end. Uh, I know with Revelation, there it could get a little bit confusing with some, just being that it still hasn't happened all yet, right? Um, but yeah, let's talk about that. Basically, just what's the time frame from the time that we're, we're at, the cre- at creation to the end of the New Testament? And then let's also talk about just the differences, Old yeah, Testament. Yeah, so Testament. Uh, creation itself was 4,000 BC. The writing about creation was Moses, who wrote Genesis, the first five books. He was 1,500 BC. So the Bible was written over a 1500 period, uh, essentially with Moses writing Genesis and then the Apostle John writing Revelation in around 95 AD. So a 15 to 1600 year period was the writing. Now the history of Genesis goes back 4000 BC. And then, of course, the coming of Jesus and Revelation. We're still waiting for that. So the old, te- yeah, the Old Testament spans. Uh, let's just talk about this then: the Old Testament, New Testament. Let's talk about the differences between them and uh, what's the Old Testament. Let's start with you, Sean. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think about the Bible; it's just a continued revelation about God's work. You know what I mean? Who God is and what He's doing in our world, right? So, you know, the Old Testament is just sort of. It's really just the you know, what came before the New Testament, I guess, you know, it's just, it's a continued chronicle of God's work. Now, the Old Testament we share, you know, with the, you know, it's like the, it's the Jewish Torah, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's the, it's the, it's the book, um, you know, used by the the Jewish people. And and the New Testament is really the continued chronicle of the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, and the fulfillment of a lot of what the Old Testament was looking forward to. You know, the Mm -hmm. Old Testament point, like, like Brett said, you know, the prophecies and the expectation of the coming Messiah um, and the restoration, you know, the redemption of the world by God. And so, you know, I think, uh, so the way I think about it, you know, yeah, we think, you know, it's it's sort of labeled two parts, but it's really just a continued story of God's revelation in history. Mm -hmm. So now does the, uh, the, does the Jewish culture and religion, they only recognize the Old Testament as, um, as that's correct they just uh they they would look at christianity and the new testament as false teaching mm. false prophets they i don't think they give it enough serious consideration yeah, to be yeah. honest but their initial response is jesus was a false prophet and christianity teaches polytheism you know when we say that father son holy spirit three persons in one god to them, that's polytheism, and that was one of the worst things that you could have was, you know, to uh, believe in multiple gods. That's mm-hmm. idolatry to them. So they kind of write the whole thing off. Interesting. Okay, yeah. so we I want to talk about the Gospels because we went, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the 
the Gospels in the New Testament. So that's where your New Testament starts, is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, because I have this question that I've, uh, I've heard a lot as well, is do people that never hear the Gospel go to hell? And I know that's not something that we're going <laughs> <laughs> to suggest you to Sean. Sean, Sean you wanna, yeah. no, I'd, I'd be there's glad. There's a lot of these things that's I'd like, be, uh, one I'd day be, we'll find out, right? Yeah, <laughs> I would just be glad to defer this one to Brad. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> Well, the question just, you know, <laughs> let's say that there's, there's a tribe I in get, the middle I of get, somewhere. I yeah, take that, a first shot. But. And the gospel never reaches them. Do they go to yeah, hell? Where I, is, yeah, I got up this morning, and uh, you sent me a list of questions, and I, I did a little oh, prep work. Yeah, just so um, I'm going to give you this answer I didn't here. get that I'm going to give you this yeah, answer. Yeah, you did. I sent it to you in a great <laughs> I'm going to give you this answer. Yeah. So here's my answer. Okay. So my answer is just from Acts 17. All right. Acts 17, 26 through 27. It talks about God's intention for all people or his desire for all people. He says, the scripture says, you know, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they, all the nations, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. You know, it's God's desire to save us all. Now, we don't know. I mean, like, look, we have to be humble enough to let God be God, you know, and I think that's kind of where, where I'm mm-hmm. at. We do know that Christ is the way to God. And so let's tell people about Christ and let them know about Christ's work for them. And, you know, we know that if you believe in him and rest in him and acknowledge that we are all broken and that we've all, you know, deviated from God's plan in our lives, we've all experienced that brokenness and we can look to Christ and he can take our brokenness on the, on the cross. He can pay for it all in that moment. And we are redeemed. We are justified, you know, which means, you know, we are our right standing with God is restored, not because, or is, is made, you know, not because of anything we do, but because of what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. And that is great news. And so that's, you know, you know, if, you know, if you rest in that truth then the spirit comes to you and you are justified and that is, you know, what we can you know hang our hat on in scripture. Right. Right. I, um, so whenever that question has come up, I always think like, well, if, and the, the immediate answer to myself is, or for that I give is, I don't know, like it's, mm-hmm. I don't know God's ways high mm-hmm. above, you know, as far as the heavens are above the earth are his ways above my ways. Um, and I just say like, it will be the purpose of sharing the gospel. If you just got to go to heaven, if you never heard it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then you wouldn't want people to hear. Right. So I was thinking about Noah because right. I'm mm-hmm. preaching through Genesis and Noah was, uh, became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So Noah was told by God, you know, there's going to be this, uh, universal deluge flood, build an ark, and he did it. And he believed God, and God credited credited it to him as righteousness. So faith in God's promise uh, brings righteousness. Abraham was declared righteous the same way. Um, Abraham, Noah, they didn't know the details of the of Christ's death on the cross and the necessity of believing in Him. But they believe God's promise and God declared them righteous based on their faith. Because in the mind of God, the atonement of Jesus on the cross was an eternal fact. It was coming so God could declare them righteous. So I to say in response to your question, 
people all over the world have a certain amount of revelation, whether it's the revelation of nature, um, maybe some, you know, even internally we have a conscience and uh, how we respond to the revelation we have, God will in his mercy and justice and righteousness will judge. But I could see where someone could cry out to God just because of the witness of nature, the revelation of nature, and God respond to that person's faith with a declaration of righteousness. Now, that should never take away from our missionary zeal uh, or say to us, uh, we say, well, we don't need to get the gospel to foreign lands because after all, you know, so there's the, maybe that's good that we have a certain right, amount of mystery exactly. in this so we yep. get going yeah. right, and yeah. share the gospel. Yeah, and what about, what, is there a way to lose salvation? Again, passing on the question to each other. <laughs> you know, we're, I, I think we're all around this table. We're of the more of the Protestant uh, mindset, the Reformed mindset, which is that salvation really is um, the work of God. Yep. Uh, it is a the election of God, it's been described as. And so um, if it's God's work, in us that uh, brings us to faith in Christ. And again, there's some mystery in how that all works. Then um, if if we're not responsible in one sense for our own salvation, how can we lose it? You know? No, right. um, so the, so. Yeah, the way I think about this is, you know, what happens when you become saved, right? And scripture talks a lot about what happens when, you know, Jesus comes into your life and what that, what that, what that means for you. It means that you are a new creation, you know, Mm -hmm. so you are, the old is gone, the new has come. So something very significant and what seems to be unchangeable occurs. You know what I mean? You are a new yes. creation. Ephesians, Paul in Ephesians talks about, you know, when you do become a believer, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're, it's as a guarantee of your inheritance. You know, and so there's, there's a lot of language, I think, in there. And if you think about just the, the sort of what is happening to you when you become saved, I think it's reasonable to, to, to believe that God is, has changed you. And it was a work of God, as you, as you had said. And so how does it make sense that you would, it would be undone? You right. know, I think, and to say, and, and it, it does seem almost weirdly prideful to say that, you know, oh, as we go along our lives, if we sin again, say we, ha- you know, we sin, does, what does that mean? How great of a sin does it need to be? And, you know, to, to lose or, or, you know, where it's not, it's, you know, it's big enough that it wasn't paid for by the cross or, you know, I think, I think then you start getting into where there's, there are people within the, you know, within the realm of Christianity that believe that you can lose your salvation. I just, I just think with the languages in there, I feel confident to say that, look, it's just, it's a work of God. It is a permanent change in your life when you accept Christ. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it talks in, uh, I forget where it is. I think it's, let me see. Yeah, I don't know if I, uh, yeah, 1 John where they, you know, it talks about, you know, John talks about people that leave the faith. Yes. And he yes. talks about in First John in 219, he says, you know, they went out from us, but they were not of us. So there's this, you know, this sense of, you know, those that, there are people that profess, you know, Christianity that may not experience actual Christianity. Yeah, the, reform, you know I mean? yeah. the reformers with Martin Luther, they called it the perseverance of the saints, mm-hmm. that the saints, the true believer will persevere. Mm-hmm. So if people walk away, uh, they would conclude they were never right. truly saved right. in the first place. 
Um, and uh, so we subscribe. I would subscribe to that. If you're born again, you know the Lord. You can't. You can't walk away from it. You may have ups and downs in your life. Yeah. And we all do, but you would never walk away if you're truly saved. Right, right, yeah. Let's, uh, we're going to wrap it up with this question here. We talked last time, that question was asked, are all sins equal? Um, but I want to ask this question is, how do I know if something I'm doing is a sin? We're talking about, you had just talked a little bit about that, Sean, with mm-hmm. sin. Um, if, uh, you know, or if, is the sin that I've committed too big to be, I forget how you worded it, but too big to be paid for by the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about this. How do I know if something I'm doing is a sin? That is that uh, is a really good question. I want to well, respond to that because <laughs> some people feel they feel things, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so just because you feel guilty doesn't mean you're guilty before God. Hmm. For example, people feel guilty about their weight all the time. You know, they eat something and they feel guilty. All right, and and is that a sin? No, it's not a sin. I mean, I guess if you were gluttonous, you know, but. Uh, but you eat you eat two brownies and now you feel guilty and you think I've sinned and I need to make it up. No, that that's just a cultural guilt. There mm. is such a thing as cultural guilt that you get from the family you grew up in. You know, okay, you're not a success. You feel guilty because you're not a success. Well, a success in whose eyes? Dad. You know, it never was a success because dad. And so then you live with this sense of shame and guilt because you don't measure up to some uh, family thing. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, we've got to get back to clear biblical truth and clear biblical teaching. I mean, sin is defined in the Bible as crossing a boundary that God set mm-hmm. or missing a mark that God clearly um, has marked out in Scripture. I think a lot of people are unhealthy because they just sort of go with emotions rather than the truth of Scripture. Yeah. Uh, so... Maybe you have cultural shame, but not biblical guilt. Huh. Anything you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, I, I guess the, you know, so you asked, how would I know that I'm sinning? And it's like, I think there's, there's a couple different ways to think about this. Like there's, you know, in scripture, there are specific things that, you know, you can learn about God and learn what things he, you know, hates, you know, what, you know, it's specific kind of, you know, sins maybe that are, that are detailed, but there's also just, you know, as we go through life, there's just going to be different situations that all of us experience. And I think that for me, and the most important thing here is that when you become a Christian, you know, God comes to you, the Holy Spirit comes to you and, and lives in you and reveals to you, you know, God's will in your life. And, and I think there is an element of wisdom being given to you by the Holy Spirit in situations, you know, with the heart of just trying to please God. And, you know, I personally, I can tell you just through my life, it's like I've, as a believer, as I've, you know, lived as a believer, I've come to just more and more, you know, hate sin. You're just like, or just, you know, just, you realize how destructive sin can be. You know, it obviously doesn't please God, but it's also just, you realize how destructive it is. It's just, you know, it's, you know, and, and so I, I believe the Holy Spirit, you know, helps reveal in different situations, you know, what, what's God's will. And mm-hmm. you know, so even in specific, you know, areas where it's not, spelled out specifically in the Bible, there is God's spirit inside of you helping you determine, you know, the, you know, the right way to go. Right. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks. Thanks for coming guys. Um, I appreciate it. Even though we had a little bit of a, 
a wait time because we we had some people get their nails done oh. and uh, <laughs> I'm going to call them out. <laughs> oh but yeah, so where's, uh, the, where's the Bible verse for getting your nails done? Uh, Is that right? <laughs> Maybe but we should hey, take that up next time. Next week, uh, we're going to have Let's address that. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, next week I'm going to have Mike Baker from Crosspoint is going to join ah, on the podcast good. with uh, with John Knapp. We're going to talk about questions about heaven and hell. Ooh, so that's going to be next week. Uh, we do have church this weekend. Come on down, hang out with us. Uh, we have baptisms. Um, oh, you know what? Nope. By the time this airs, baptisms will have just happened, but we'll have baptisms again next month. So <laughs> if, uh, if that's something you're interested in, you know, contact Garrett Ward and uh, he can give you more information about that. Thank you, Sean. No, thank, thank you, Brett, you. for being here.